everybody. My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. And one of the best parts about this podcast <laughs> is that we um, we actually get to see some of the tangible impact every once in a while. Yeah. Because not, not nine times out of ten, we're just talking into... Cyberspace. Uh, yeah, and we're like, we don't know who this is reaching mm-hmm. or if Victor and I are just talking to each other for no purpose. <laughs> um but so one of the cool things is like you guys know like student are Victor and I are both student pastors and some of our students listen to the podcast Which and is so great. it's it's that. it's so cool man because it actually like tangibly affects yep. our own ministries um and so I had this one student come up to me and she was like yeah so like me and my friends like we listen to your podcast at your school and like man we love to play Monopoly at our <laughs> like on online Monopoly and I'm like okay this is the greatest conversation I've ever that's heard that's amazing and she goes yeah so we all have uh, different sanctified-ish quotes as our Monopoly usernames. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I was D3 for a minute. Um, one of my friends was half bath. Half bath. <laughs> hey, you're an adult. You're an adult when you have a half yeah, bath, bro. Yeah. Like one was calf tat. The other was 116. And I'm just like, this is, this is the impact I hope this podcast would make on the world. Is that somewhere there's just a group of students playing Monopoly Mm -hmm. with random quotes that you and I have said, and it makes me so freaking happy, dude. Like, you have no idea. When we stand before the judge and and God looks down on us and says, hey, why should we let you into heaven? We can look down and say, hey, there's a whole squad of Monopoly players with our quotes. It's like man, they they may not love Jesus, but they know what one one six is. They do, they do. Man, that's gold. So, online Monopoly is really fun. Okay, and I have I have so many stories about online Monopoly. But I used to play, like hours, like day, like days worth of hours. So, really, there's this thing called Steam, and you can download video games on Steam, and it it'll tell you how many hours you've played video games. And I've played online Monopoly for well over 500 hours and it's not even close is it is this recently or is this like no no high school victor this is like high school victor but now you've like (laughs) you've you've sparked something it makes me want to go play online monopoly now it makes me want to give high school victor a hug (laughs) i want to let him know that he's loved (laughs) yeah (laughs) a friend something (laughs) Did, did you play online monopoly with people or were you just like playing against yourself um thankfully (laughs) i played with people um because if if i got caught playing monopoly by myself yeah that's one of that's sad also how do you do it how do you play monopoly by i guess that's how you play Um, chess by yourself so this is gonna date me a little bit but i had the monopoly video game for the ps1 oh wow back in the day oh yeah Oh yeah, wow. so I I actually did play Monopoly by myself. They had like a CPU. <laughs> you played against the computer. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. I was like, I would play Monopoly by myself up in my game room with with, with, with my PS One. And oh, the PlayStation One. The the t- the two games I had were Monopoly and like NASCAR two thousand one, and. <laughs> Bro, that game was fun, though. I know the NASCAR Bro, game. So, like, I would just mess it up. So, I wouldn't drive straight. I would turn my car around, and I would drive the complete opposite direction on the track, and I would just run into cars over and over and over, and I would do that and play Monopoly until my mom said it was time for dinner. Hey. And that's that was my childhood. 
that sounds like a really good time. That sounds like um, a really good time. Speaking speaking of my childhood, I was talking about this yesterday. This is a completely different tangent. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I almost failed kindergarten for not being able to tie my shoes. Did you know this about I, me? I think I knew this from the podcast. Really? I think. Yeah, I think you've said this before. It's uh, I have like several traumatic childhood moments. One, I had one a kindergarten. No, this is a pre-K teacher in Oklahoma that held up my coloring and this other girl's coloring. And oh, I didn't like no. this. I, I didn't like this girl because she was perfect. And oh, she no. was like, "Class, this is how you don't color." Because I was coloring outside the lines. Class, this is how you do do it. And I just like broke down in tears. That's this, tough. The second traumatic childhood moment I have when I was in kindergarten in Texas, we were all learning how to tie our shoes. And so we had this can and the string that went through the can and we had to learn like the bunny years, cross it over, uh-huh. go through the loop, get it. I was the last one in my class to learn how to tie the stupid string on the can. And like <laughs> I had to stay after class one day and like not work on my math or my arithmetic, like reading. I had to like learn how to tie it. And to this day, I never learned, like I eventually got it, but I never learned how to do like the one loop and then That's tie the, the way string to do around. It. That's the way no, to do it. man, I'm a 26 year old grown man that still goes bunny ear, bunny ear, cross it over through the bridge. Like I still, <laughs> <laughs> because that's I got tough. it, I got it once, man. And I'm, I got it once and that's it. Like I'm, wow. I passed and I'm not moving on from it. I never learned the bunny ears ever. I was really? never part of my education. I only I learned out. the loop and pull. So were you a Velcro kid? No, Did, my mom didn't let me. Oh, you have a good she, mom. She, she didn't like the flashing lights. The little. <laughs> okay, the flashing lights are kind of cool. They're, they're so cool. <laughs> they're so cool. If they came out with like a Jordan with flashing lights. I'd be all over it. All my money. All over it. I'd hop in all the queue. All my money. I'd put myself in the lottery. I'd download the Nike app for that thing. <laughs> yeah, keep going, keep going. There you go. That's that's the only things I know. That's all I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, today, and this will be kind of a, a hard transition here, um, but there's just there's something over the past two weeks that's kind of happened in the Christian world, um, and I think it's just caused Reagan and I to start thinking and reflecting on this past semester and our time in ministry. And that was a really influential pastor by the name of Tim Keller. Over the past week or so, he passed away. And if you're familiar with Tim Keller's work and the things that he's been a part of, you will have hopefully benefited from his ministry. Incredible pastor, incredible author, incredible teacher, incredible theologian, go on and on and on. And I was walking my dog this week and I was just scrolling on TikTok. I was just scrolling on TikTok and a video from John Piper came up, who's another pastor. And he was just talking about a conversation that he had with Tim Keller before he passed away. And the conversation was basically along the lines of, if there is anything we could tell the next generation of Christians, there's anything that we could tell young people, what would it be? And And Tim Keller said that it would be, take more joy in your salvation than your service. Take more joy in your salvation than your service. And I I just started reflecting on my time in ministry, looking, looking at my life and just trying to find like what brings me joy. Yeah. And it was convicting. And so I figured that would just be an 
awesome thing for us to talk about, reflect a little bit, and then encourage. This isn't just for people in ministry, like vocational ministry. This is for people, students yeah. at school, at their works, every sphere of life. Take more joy in your salvation than your service. Yeah, I think this is when you look at Tim Keller, who is like a celebrity pastor. Um, obviously, Tim Keller is not perfect. No one is ever saying he's perfect. Um, but like, as far as we know, like that is a life well lived and yeah. that is well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and I think this might be even being a little bit different, of the, different direction of the conversation, but I think that is something the older I'm getting, it's like, man, I want to finish well. Yeah. And like, I would love people to be able to say like, man, like he, he ran the race. He did it. He was faithful. He loved his family. He loved the Lord. He loved his friends and that's it. And I think like when you look at like the things that Tim, that people have been saying about Tim Keller, like it's not really the books that he wrote or the sermons that he preached. It's like, man, you showed me Jesus. You loved your wife really well. You loved your church really well. Thank you, pastor. And I'm like, that's, I think like the celebrity pastor culture that we live in. I'm like, we just don't get that much uh, very often. Like there's a lot of pastors that finish really well. We just don't ever see them. Hmm. And I'm like, I feel like the pastors that we see, there's like a handful that I can look at that I'm like, man, y'all finished well. Yeah. Um, And so I think that's like a really, that that's rare nowadays. And so I think that's definitely something to like admire in Tim Keller. Hmm. Um, I think one of the things that, you and I are coming off of, of, of a busy semester. And so the second like you get margin in your brain, now you get to like, all right, things are done and now you can yep. look back and you can process. And the stuff that Keller and Piper are talking about there comes from, I believe Luke 10, 20, mm. um, where Jesus sends out 72 and they go out and they're like, they have power over the demons and like they're doing all this ministry and like they come back and they're all excited. And they're like, Jesus, like, do you see what we've done? And he says, don't rejoice that you have power over the demons. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Yeah. And this is something like you and I, there was some like TikTok video and you sent it to me and I was like, yep, I saw this. And you and I had like a whole conversation about this because Jesus was the one who sent them out on ministry in the first place. Yep. It's not a bad thing. Commissioned them. Commissioned them, sent them out, gave them authority over the demon. Like it's, it's not a bad thing to have power to do ministry as a Christian, it's not bad at all. But like the key word there, Jesus says is rejoice. Yeah. And I think you were kind of talking about this, like what are the things that I rejoice in? Do I rejoice simply that my name is written in heaven? Or do I rejoice in, man, the fact that I got to preach last Sunday? Or do I rejoice in the fact that, man, like I really love leading? Or I like, what what are those things that really get my heart and stir my heart's affections? Um, it's a humbling thing to, to think through and process. Yeah. One of the things when Felicity and I, my wife and I, when we moved into our new townhome, she has like this super hipster, you know, like board where you can like put up the letters and spell different things. And it's like one of those. That's you not know, a hipster. That's just not you. Okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of, it's, she, she has one of those and we sat down one night. Yeah. And she's like, what, what should we put on it? Like, what should we write out? And at first I was like, I don't care. Like, write whatever you want. This is not me. Uh, But as we kept talking about it, I was like, okay, actually, I want to put this quote up there. And it's, share the gospel, die, be
be forgotten. Yeah. And it's like if there was a motto for my life, that's the motto that I want to be true about me. I want to share the gospel, I want to die, and I want to be forgotten. And that hasn't been true for me in ministry always, especially I say when I was younger. I'm still young. But like when I was stepping into ministry, yeah. my goal was to be a pastor to preach, to write books, to be a theologian, to be on, you know, stages and to like embrace that celebrity pastor culture. Like that was a genuine goal of mine going into ministry. And there was this point where I was listening to a sermon on Jesus feeding the 5,000. And there's this, there's this point where the disciples go to this boy, they ask for the fish, they ask for the loaves, the boy gives the food over to the disciples they return to jesus and jesus does this awesome miracle the person preaching was like do you know the boy's name Hmm. like do you know who that is that boy probably lived a full life god used him in an incredible way to do one of the most famous miracles recorded in scripture and then that boy died yeah and we don't know anything about him And it's like, when you take that, are you okay with living a life, potentially being used by God in whatever ministry he has you in, Yeah. die, and nobody remember your name? Yeah. And it was that humbling process that, like, I still very much have to wrestle through today. But it, it helped me realize that my job in ministry actually isn't a job. It's a process of loving Jesus and doing what he's called me to do. Yeah. And that's where that joy comes from. Not my service. Yeah, man. It's so funny. Like ministry brings sanctification, not satisfaction. Yeah. And like, like you just said, ministry will sanctify you. Like loving people is hard. It'll expose your own flaws. It'll expose your own sin, your own insufficiencies. Like marriage and ministry are two very, very big sanctifying agencies. Mm. Um, we try to find satisfaction in what God meant for sanctification. And That's we, 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 we look at things like, okay, like I'm, we, we know that ministry doesn't bring satisfaction, but yet it's something like time after time after time, you kind of have to go back and relearn that lesson and go back to that well in a sense. Um, and this is something like we talked to our, our seniors at, uh, with commissioning, but it was like Psalm ninety fourteen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. And I feel like you can thread a needle from Psalm ninety fourteen to Luke ten twenty. It's like, what is a psalmist rejoicing in? The satisfaction that comes in the steadfast love of the Lord. Hmm. Like, what does Jesus tell you to rejoice in? That your name is written in heaven. Yeah, like that's it. That's it. And. That right there is the thing, like when you understand that, like, man, in God's presence, you don't have to be anything. You don't have to do anything. You can't earn anything. And like, that is the only place in the universe where that exists. That like God by his very nature cannot change. He loves you. He's called you a child. Like that is his presence. And so like, Mm. why would we want to look for that in a place like ministry? People are fickle. Jobs are fickle. Performance is fickle. Like it it goes up and down. And so like, we wonder why we just feel like there's like this empty hole Mm. 
in the pursuit of ministry. I'm like, that's not what you were, we were made for. Yeah. And, but we know that. And it's like, I feel like Hosea is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Cause you can just look at like the people of Israel and it says in Hosea, like their love for God was like the morning dew. It's here one minute and gone the next. And I'm like that, I feel that. I feel that. Like, I know that Jesus is better. I know that my savior is better. I know that I'm supposed to rejoice in him. Yet time after time after time, I feel myself drawn back into like the fool's gold that is ministry. And the scary thing that you and I talk about is that, man, you can do ministry completely devoid of, uh, of the power of the spirit. Yeah. You can do ministry and not be walking with Jesus. And you can have a very successful ministry and not be walking with Jesus. Yeah. Um, like one of, one of the pastors at the, at the church we work at, we were talking about camp or something like that. And he was like, man, we have enough talent in this room to put on a very successful camp, completely devoid of the power of prayer. Mm. We do acknowledge that and completely reject that. Yep. Um, and I think the, the older I get, the more, the more prominent that seems in my life. Yeah, it's finding this balance between knowing and understanding that God is fully sovereign over his church and any successes or lack thereof ultimately happen by the permission or lack thereof of God, right? Like he is the sovereign upholder of his church. There's also a very real reality of pastors and leaders leading out in things completely apart from the spirit. And we've seen, yeah. it. like, yeah. over the past five years, if we could just count the amount of pastors that have stepped away from ministry for one reason or another or have disqualified themselves from ministry for one reason or another, the number's extremely high and really sad. Yeah. And so we see pictures of what happens when people try to do things apart from the Holy Spirit. And then we get to see God's response in saying, actually, hey, no, I'm sovereign over my church. You're done. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Um, and so it's like it's finding it's finding that balance. And we're blessed to be in a place where there is a ton of accountability in this area. But for people and leaders and lay people at their jobs who don't necessarily have that accountability around them all the time need to stay extremely vigilant in staying connected to that vine, as we learn in John. It's like, yeah. how do we remain connected to that vine so that we don't begin living our life apart from the power that the Holy Spirit gives us yeah. because when we start finding our primary joy in the things that the world provides rather than God himself, we've totally missed it. It's like David in Psalm 51 restore yeah. to me the joy of my salvation because David knows that only real joy spawns from or comes from the guarantee of his salvation. Well, and like the, the things that we want are like, it's not a bad thing to want to be on mission. Um, it's not a bad thing to want to go share the gospel but like you and I were not made for the mission. That, that is not the purpose for which we were created. The mission is necessary because sin is a reality. And like, we need to tell people about Jesus so that we can be with him forever. But like we were made to be with God. Hmm. That's it. That's it. Um, the mission is necessary here and now there won't be a mission in heaven. Um, yeah. And so I think like, 
the desire to go and to work and to do is a very, very, very good thing. It's not what you and I were made for. Um, yeah. And so it's like when you feel that, just return back to your first love. And I, I think this is like, this is where I think talking with a lot of students too, um, the idea of quiet time is so frustrating because I'm like, okay, like I know that Jesus satisfies. I know I'm supposed to be with him. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, don't work for him, be with him. But like, I hate reading. <laughs> and so like, if you hate reading now, all of a sudden like yep. that, that disqualifies you from being with Jesus. And that's just wrong Yeah. because like, I don't know if that's just like the Western Christian ideal. It's not the father, son, and Holy Bible. It's like, be careful how I say this. Yeah. The Bible is our way of knowing God. That's it. It isn't God. It is fully inerrant, inspired, whatever theological word you want to use for that. Yes, sure. But yep. like the purpose of reading your Bible and the purpose of having a quiet time with the Lord, Francis Chan once said this is like, I'm going to read this. I'm going to know what it says. And then I'm going to take my Bible into my prayer closet and I'm going to worship. The God who authored this so that he could tell me who he is. That, that is the thing that satisfies. And a lot of the times, like our quiet times are just trash because we sit there and we read it and like, oh, intellectually, that's what this means. Hmm. Great. Awesome. Close the book. How do I apply this to your life? It's like, it's not necessarily just there to, for you to apply it to your life, like a self-help book. It's there to tell you about a God who wants a relationship with you. And we miss the sweet part of that is the relationship. Yeah. The sweet part of that is the worship. It isn't the application. Yeah. The application is the fruit. Yep. And so oftentimes we, we, we lean towards work and we lean towards ministry because that is actually more satisfying than just an information, information transfer in our quiet time. Mm. Like a higher ethic of what a quiet time looks like and what the purpose of it is may actually help us have safer boundaries and things like ministry. Yeah, I like how you just hit on the fact that application is the fruit, or it's really the spawn that that comes from worship. It's like as we fall deeper in love with God, as we worship Him, as we love Him, the application of the Word comes naturally out of that. Yeah, it's it's not the other way around, and so I think that's a perfect transition here into kind of wrapping this conversation up. Man, what would you say? to the person who is just struggling with finding more joy in what they do and what they accomplish than joy in their relationship and salvation from Jesus. Like if you could give one word of encouragement there. <laughs> um, maybe it's not an encouragement, more of a warning It's do ministry long enough. You'll find, you'll find out it doesn't satisfy. Yeah. Um, the person who thinks that ministry satisfies hasn't been doing ministry long. Um, and when you realize that it's like, okay, well that, that isn't it. So one, what is it? What, what is its healthy place? Why am I doing this? And two, do a 180 and turn and go right back to the Lord. Um, there is real genuine joy and satisfaction and like the best ministers are not the most talented. They're not the most charismatic. They're not the ones that have gone to all the leadership conferences. They're the ones who have simply spent time with Jesus and look like their savior and just overflow that to the people around them. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of a soapbox and a side tangent, but my, my biggest fear is that we have 
manufactured and curated what ministry should look like in the sense of like, if you go to this conference and you do these five steps, if you work on your rhetoric, if you work on your preaching skills, if you work on your leadership skills, then that's what it looks like to be a good minister. Mm. And that doesn't mean we don't work on those things. But the number one thing, the number one thing, love the Lord, preach the gospel faithfully, pray for your people. You do that, you're a good minister. Yeah. Um, and you, you will be for the rest of your life, if, even if you never, ever go to a leadership conference or listen to a leadership podcast. Um, yeah. And you'll actually find a lot more joy in that because in doing those things you're doing what you were created for when we say ministry obviously yes vocational ministry to the leaders pastors people that work at churches whose job it is to like work and care for the the flock but that also applies to the person working at starbucks the person in the corporate world the person at school, at their cafeteria, middle school, high school, elementary school, like yeah. ministry is something this is said a lot, but that we're all called to. And you can find, you can try to find your joy in doing ministry outside of a vocation, but in your schools or in your workplace. And so don't let the fact that you don't get paid to work in a church distract you from you like finding joy in your work, because that's something that Satan wants to do. He wants to distract you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's just something we have to be very, very aware of. Well, y'all, if you enjoyed today's episode, and we hope you did, check out some other episodes. We have over 52 episodes, which means we have one episode for a whole year, which is kind of crazy. Um, so go check out some other episodes. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us sanctifiedish at gmail.com. You can find Reagan and I on social media at ReaganJones97 and at Rotsiv157. We will see you guys in the next one. And until then, take care and God bless. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Right? It's 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 awesome. It's cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> Did you show them your Cal Kestis lightsaber? No, I haven't. Maybe next week. Maybe yeah. next week. Watch the video Maybe. podcast and you'll see what we're talking about. Anakin's the chosen one. Amen. <laughs>